Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Irene Stern Freelich is the owner and president of Envision Performance Solutions. Envisions is an award-winning provider of instructional design, training implementation, and training project management services. Envision develops instructional materials for a wide range of topics, including operations, compliance and regulations, policies, procedures, systems applications, product knowledge, finance, performance management, and performance development. Wow, these are busy people. Envision has worked with Fortune 500 companies such as Sanofi, State Street Bank, Medtronic, Boston Scientific Corporation, the Gillette Company, and Takeda Pharmaceuticals, just to name a few. Hello, Irene. Hi, Ed. Thanks so much for having me on. We are thrilled to have you here. And while I took a stab at introducing you, it would be great for our audience to hear a little bit more about what you do and really kind of what your business does today. Well, I've always had this passion for learning and helping others to learn. And I spent most of my life in this field of learning and development. In 1998, I had a unique opportunity to start at my own company. And so I did. Uh, I started out as a solo practitioner, but quickly, thankfully, became way too busy to do it myself. So I built a team. And together, we develop custom learning solutions, uh, like what you heard Ed mentioned. What that means is we develop courses, uh, some of which have been award-winning. We develop materials for classroom courses, both on-site and the virtual environment. Um, We create on-the-job training guides and support tools and all kinds of blends of those. And we do it for all sorts of organizations, as you heard Ed list off. Um, I love learning really just a little bit about a lot of different topics. That's one of the things I love about my job. Great. And I have a couple of questions for you, Irene. One is you said you started your practice because of a unique opportunity. And I'm wondering if you could share with us what that might be. I would be happy to. I always had this dream when I was employed within a bank, actually, that I was going to start my own company, but I never had. The, I never felt like taking the risk to do that. I was afraid to take the risk. And then one day, my whole department was eliminated. 
So I had this great opportunity in front of me and I took it and ran with it. And I was never without work from day one. Wow. So a kind of external situation, if I understood you correctly, thrust you out into this world of being a independent consultant. Yes. And a risk taker. (laughs) Well, we talk a lot about risk on this podcast because risk is something that Uh, people all experience and sometimes they are known as risk takers and they take lots of risks all the time. And some people are risk avoiders and they are fearful of doing something that might have an outcome that they didn't anticipate. So uh, did you feel a shift in you at all in respect to moving from being either a risk avoider or just somebody who didn't participate in risk a lot to taking this huge risk? I felt sick a lot, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's an outcome that some people might feel. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I actually would have these bad dreams at night about being on a roller coaster, literally. And it was so clear to me why I was having this dream. But I, I guess, you know, we're talking about bravery today. And I guess that would be a really good example of being brave and taking the risk and seeing the possibilities ahead of me. Yeah, I wish we could figure out what the, uh, you know, what I'm not sure what the right word is, panacea or happy pill is associated with taking risk. Because most people, when they take a risk, while at the moment it feels painful and like you get sick or just don't feel well, upon reflection years later, they say it was the best thing that they ever did. Do you think back now and say, you know, I'm not sure why it happened, but it was the best decision I ever made? I absolutely would say that, yes. Yeah. So I wish we could kind of close that gap for people. But maybe it's meant to be fearful and scary in order to help us ensure that we do the right thing. The other thing you mentioned in your story uh, is virtual work. And I'm just curious, in response to the pandemic that the world has been experiencing, if you've had an increase in the volume of people wanting to do things virtually. Yeah, so everybody's running to do the things virtually because that's kind of the only way we are operating right now, most of us, uh, or the ones who are fortunate enough to be able to operate virtually. And so, yes, we've been asked to um, convert some programs from the on-site classroom environment to the virtual world um, or a a blended uh, solution where it's both virtual and e-learning. Uh, And we actually are launching, I'm glad you asked that because we're launching a new series of five sessions called Envisioning Virtually, Creating Engaging Courses in the Virtual Environment. And this series of five sessions is targeted to instructional designers and trainers who may not be so familiar with creating and delivering in the virtual environment, but They need to continue to do their jobs and to do them well. And so we'll be launching that in October. We're very very excited about that. It sounds fantastic. Is it a calendarized event or is it self-paced? It is calendarized. So it will be um, live, live virtual meetings every two weeks starting October 20th for five sessions. Okay, fantastic. So we, if it's okay with you, we'll post a link to the registration page if there is one when we post your podcast. That would be fabulous. Thank you. I appreciate that. Great. So how about bravery, Irene? And here you've had this fantastic career providing multitude of services to a multitude of clients. I'm sure you have experienced and have had clients and coworkers navigate the worlds of bravery. You know, what are some words or phrases you think of 
when you think about bravery in the workplace? So uh, three attributes come to mind when I think about the times I've needed to use or exhibit bravery. Um, One is to uh, demonstrate presence and engagement. So, you know, showing concern or empathy for others and an interest in what they're going through, even while I'm in this place of needing to feel brave. Uh, Another word that comes to mind is practicing resilience, which is something we're hearing a lot about these days. Uh, Resilience to me is just being adaptable and flexible and agile, um, willing to shift on a on a dime and also to question my assumptions about things. And I think the third word I would I would include is exploring possibility. That's how my business became what it is today through possibilities that I thought about. I imagined what could be and did my best to make those things happen. And that's why Envision is what it is today. So presence, resilience, and possibility are the three words I would bring. Fantastic. And, you know, I'd like to pick apart a little bit regarding the word resilience, because I think when most people hear that, it does kind of sound like flexibility or the ability to bounce back, I guess. You know, what are some ways that you think about or other ways that you might define this, you know, define resilience in the workplace? I think that today I think about not simply bouncing back. That Bouncing back to me feels like I'm going back to normal. And often we need to go to a create a new normal. And I, I don't really like those words. We hear that a lot today, but it's really true. So if we're going to be brave uh, through whatever changes are coming our way. Being willing to create a new normal is part of resilience to me. Mm-hmm. And I also like the phrase exploring possibility because that's very future focused and positive. You know, most people, when they think about bravery, they get nervous and they think that the outcome will be bad. Yet exploring possibilities means that there are multiple outcomes that you can influence if you're brave enough to take action or say something that needs to be said in order to influence others. And it sounds as though that's a lot of what you experienced as you took the step out from corporate to uh, your own independent practice. Absolutely, yes. How about stories, Irene? I know you might have a couple of stories that you'd love to share, but all of our participants have shared a story that they've experienced or didn't experience because they didn't have the bravery at the time. How about you? Do you have a story or two that you'd like to share? Yeah, one actually that always comes to mind is the uh, year 2008 and its aftermath. That was, I'm sure many people will remember that there was quite an economic downturn that year and and the couple of years after that. And my business suffered and I was going through some health issues that prevented me from working 100% for a few months during that same time. So there was a lot of stress going on, and I really had to step up and figure out how I was going to manage all of this and how I was going to keep my business going. So I did a few things. Um, I listened to my clients and my prospects, and I listened to what they needed or really didn't say they needed, but what came out was they didn't necessarily have budget to engage us for a full service solution like they had in the past. 
And so one of the things that came out of this listening was um, thinking about the possibilities. What can we do? I always like to think about what can we do instead of saying no. Say, yeah, how about this? And because of that, we actually developed a whole suite of services called Building Self-Reliance, which is actually a whole page, a whole um, section on my website where clients can select from services that aren't full service, but that help them bring instructional design and training project management capabilities internally into their organization. So they're building those capabilities and we're helping them do that. So I was able to be adaptable to the situation, be flexible, not offering the same um, kind of services that we always had, um, and bringing forth some possibilities for, for um, new services. Well, again, what I love about that story, Irene, is that you have kind of uh, identified a way of describing it, which is not what's not going to work or why is this a problem or why are we having these issues, but what can we do, right? So what can we do to make a difference? What can we do to have a different type of outcome? Because so often we get stuck in our current situation and it's like quicksand. We're sinking and sinking and what we need is somebody to come along and say, hey, stop talking about what you were doing. Stop talking about what wasn't working. Focus on what you can do. And it sounds like this mantra for you became a new business model unintentionally, right? It just said, oh, let's let's put A, B, and C together and we'll now have a new service we can provide folks that helps them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, to me, it's kind of fun to, to think about how to solve this puzzle, you know, how to make it work. Um, you know it can work, or at least I know it can work. <laughs> I have faith that I will come up with something or somebody will put something in front of me that's just going to be different, but it's going to work for me. And and that has served me really well. Well, if you are the idea creator, you need to have the confidence that it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even when I don't feel like I have it, I guess underneath it all, I do have it. I'm sure you do. Right. You have this belief that the idea you have is happening for a reason. And based on your past experiences and your capabilities within your field, that there's something here worth exploring. And I'm sure if after some point it didn't work or it just didn't materialize or come out the way that you'd hope, you would set it aside and move on. Absolutely. And that has happened as well when it just wasn't the right time for something, but it's still there as an idea if I need it. Well, I think this is a great lesson for our listeners. Uh, you know, So far, first of all, the, th- the three words that you identified in respect to bravery, presence, resilience, and exploring possibilities are fantastic as ways to stay positive about being braver in the workplace. And then this mantra of what can we do? Don't get caught up in the what's not working get more caught up in the what can we do, I think are all terrific. You mentioned uh, when we were talking earlier that you had a couple of stories. How about your second story? Well, my second story is more kind of pragmatic, kind of an everyday occurrence where I, um, well, this doesn't occur to me every day, but I was in a particular project with a client and uh, he had his designee working with us on, on this particular project. And after a couple of meetings with the designee, it became crystal clear to my team and I that 
we would not be able to succeed working with this person for a variety of reasons. My gut, I will tell you, my gut was pretty clear with me about this. I had that sick feeling. And I think whenever I have that sick feeling, my body is telling me I got to pay attention to this and figure out what's going on. So I had to make a difficult decision. Uh, You know, we could either complete the work as we were being told we needed to complete it, which we did not think would serve the client's stakeholders well, or we could remove ourselves from the project. And I decided that was what we needed to do. So I had this difficult conversation with my client explaining what was going on, but being very careful about the words I chose. And as soon as I said a couple of sentences, my client said, well, I won't go into what he said, but he went on for quite a while about similar situation that he was having with his designee. So it was clear that it wasn't just us having this issue. And what happened was we agreed on a way forward where he would take care of things on his end. We would continue the work in the way we felt it needed to be done to um, benefit his stakeholders and and the ultimate learners. And we proceeded and it it went well. Um, um, Our client And we were adaptable, we were willing to shift, we made a plan for going forward, and it was was really gut-wrenching, literally gut-wrenching, but in the end, we built trust, and I think our client really appreciates that and would come back for more from us because he knows we'll say the truth. Right, and I love that story for a couple of reasons, but oftentimes people share examples where the need to say something exceeds the reasons not to. Up to that point, the reasons not to say something exceeded saying something. And then for some reason, something else happens or the you know switch gets flipped. And now the reason to say something exceeds the reasons not to. And we are more likely to be brave and say something because the pressure or the outcome just becomes a little bit more realistic for us. And that sounds like maybe that's what you experienced with that client. Yeah, that sounds right. Well, fantastic. Well, Irene, thank you so much for your definitions of bravery. And thank you also for your two stories. I think those are both things that listeners can think about. And if folks would like to talk with you a little bit more about Envision or your stories, what are some ways that folks can get in touch with you? Well, they can email me. The easiest email is solutions at envision-performance.com. And they can also phone or text me at 617-877-2719. Terrific. Well, Irene, thanks again for your time today. It was great speaking with you. It was great speaking with you as well, Ed, and I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, Overcast, CastBox. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? 
you have something to do yet are not doing it, now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.